Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Good morning. My name's Colin, and I'll be your conference operator today. At this time, I'd like to welcome everyone to the MAG Energy 2021 First Quarter Results Conference Call. All lines have been placed on mute to prevent any background noise. After the speaker's remarks, there'll be a question and answer session. If you'd like to ask a question during this time, simply press star, then the number one on your telephone keypad. If you'd like to withdraw your question, please press star, followed by two. Thank you, Mr. Derek Evans, CEO. You may begin your conference. Thank you, Colin, and good morning, everyone. And thank you for joining us to review Meg's Energy's first quarter operating and financial results. In the room with me this morning are Eric Taves, our Chief Financial Officer, Chitak Yi, our Chief Operating Officer, and Lyle Yusdevsky, our General Counsel and Corporate Secretary. I'd like to remind our listeners that this call contains forward-looking information. Please refer to the advisory in our disclosure documents filed on CDAR and on our website. Keep my remarks brief today and refer listeners to yesterday's press release for more detail. MEG continues to proactively respond to the safety challenges associated with COVID-19 and remains committed to ensuring the health and safety of all of our personnel and business partners and the safe and reliable operation of the Christina Lake facility. The screening procedures and protocols implemented by the company's COVID-19 task force during the first quarter of 2020 continue to be enhanced to ensure continued safe and reliable operations. Flexibility and adaptability continue to be integral to the company's response to the pandemic. We continue to monitor the developing COVID-19 situation to determine what, if any, additional measures might be needed to be taken to ensure the health and safety of our people remain a top priority. I want to commend our teams for their outstanding diligence and focus that they have exercised in helping to ensure the health and safety of all of our employees and contractors. Meg had a strong first quarter from both a financial and an operating perspective. On the financial side of the business, we benefited from both the strengthening the global oil market dynamic as well as the structural improvement in heavy oil differentials. We remain very constructive that these changes will persevere and the headwinds that we've battled over the last six years with respect to egress and weakness in oil prices will abate and become tailwinds that will continue to drive significant free cash flow from our low decline and low cost business. On the operational front, we've now had two solid quarters of strong production performance at full capacity post our extended 75-day turnaround in the summer of 2020. This has given us the confidence to increase our production guidance from a range of 86 to 90,000 barrels a day to 88 to 90,000 barrels a day. The 2020 turnaround was extended to bring forward 2021 turnaround activities and eliminate the need for a turnaround this year. The elimination of a 2021 turnaround has been extremely helpful in managing the number of people at site from a COVID-19 perspective and the health and safety of our employees and contractors. Our strategy remains unchanged. Remain focused on executing on our capital program as efficiently and as effectively as possible, continuing to work on all our cost structures and using free cash flow to reduce debt. 
First quarter financial and, and operating highlights include adjusted funds flow of $127 million, impacted by a realized commodity risk, uh, price management risk loss of approximately $69 million, quarterly production volumes of 90,842 barrels per day at a steam oil ratio of 2.37, net operating costs of $5.25 per barrel, including non-energy operating costs of $4.05 a barrel. In that quarter, power revenue offset energy operating costs by 72%, resulting in a net impact of $1.21 per barrel. We successfully refinanced uh, 600 million U.S. of existing indebtedness at a coupon of five and seven eighths due February 2029, which pushed out the earliest outstanding long-term debt maturity to 2025. Total capital investment of 70 million in the quarter was directed to sustaining and maintenance capital, resulting in 57 million of free cash flow in the quarter. We exited the quarter with 54 million of cash on hand and our $800 million modified covenant light revolver essentially undrawn. Meg's bitumen realization averaged 52.34 per barrel in the first quarter of 2021 compared to 38.64 per barrel in the fourth quarter of 2020. The increase in average bitumen realization was due to a higher WTI price quarter over quarter offsetting the increase in bitumen realization during the first quarter of 2021 compared to the fourth quarter of 2020 was a realized commodity risk management loss of $8.80 per barrel in the first quarter of 2021 compared to a realized commodity risk management gain of $1.31 per barrel in the fourth quarter of 2020. This reflects stronger WTI settlement prices compared to WTI fixed price contracts put in place in late 2020. Corporations uh, cash operating net back averaged 26.03 per barrel in the first quarter of 2021 compared to 18.66 per barrel in the fourth quarter of 2020. Increased cash operating net back drove the increase in the corporation's adjusted fund flow from 84 million in the fourth quarter of 2020 to 127 million in the first quarter. For the last uh, nine months of 2021, Mega's outstanding benchmark WTI fixed price hedges and enhanced WTI fixed price hedges with sold put options for approximately 37% of forecast bitumen production at an average price of US 46.20 per barrel. No new WTI fixed price contracts have been entered into since mid-January 2021. As previously mentioned, based on better than expected production performance in the first quarter, MEG is revising its full-year 2021 average production from 86 to 90,000 barrels a day to 88 uh, to 90,000 barrels a day. Due to increased apportionment on the Enbridge mainline, uh, we're revising downwards our expected sales into the U.S. Gulf Coast via the Flanagan South and Seaway pipeline systems from approximately two-thirds to a full-year average uh, AW bleed. EWB blend sales volumes to approximately 50%. As a result, MEG is revising down its estimated full year 2021 transportation costs from $775 to $8.25 US per barrel of AWB blend sales to a range of $675 to $725 US per barrel of AWB blend sales. As I bring my remarks to a close, I again want to thank our team at MEG for their commitment and perseverance through these exceptionally challenging times. MEG's performance continues to demonstrate our resilience and I'm proud of our performance and confident 
in our ability to continue this momentum throughout 2021. Looking ahead, we're confident in our ability to execute on our business plan and remain committed to sustainable, innovative, and responsible energy development. We look forward to updating you on our progress in the coming quarters. With that, we'll now open the line for questions. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll now begin the question and answer session. Uh, to ask a question, uh, please press star followed by one on your uh, telephone keypad. If you'd like to withdraw your question, please press uh, star followed by two. You'll hear a three pro, uh, okay, and uh, sh all right. And if you're using a speakerphone, uh, please lift the handset before pressing any keys. Uh, your first question uh, comes from Phil Gresh from JP Morgan. Phil, please go ahead. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Yes, hi, good morning. Um, Derek, for, first question for you would just be on uh, the takeaway situation and your revision to uh, the percentage you're planning to send down to the Gulf Coast this year due to apportionment. Just wanted to get your broader thoughts, um, uh, you know, just how you think apportionment uh, and, and takeaway will play out uh, as we exit the year and into next year. Um, a great question, Phil. I'm going to ask Eric Taves to take that one. Uh, Phil, the, uh, the reason we took down our, uh, the amount of barrels we think we're going to move to the Gulf Coast is simply mathematics. Uh, when we put our budget in early December, uh, we expected apportionment to be around 35% for average for 2021. Um, what we've what we've seen through the first uh, the fir this first part of uh, 2021 is about a 10% to 15% higher level than that, and so uh, simply uh, you know mathematically, with higher apportionment, less barrels get taken down the Flanagan Seaway pipeline. I mean we sell sell less down there now. As it relates to what we see going forward, um, we expect that apportionment level to to go down to that sort of uh, you know 10% level plus or minus. Once line three comes on, and, and I think uh, the general view is that comes in comes on in you know late Q3 or early Q4. Um, you know we are aware of the the ongoing uh, legal challenges to that, but I think Enbridge has trod that ground pretty well over the past. So we expect that that pipeline comes on in that time frame. So and then and then we'd see that uh, that uh, level mitigate. So obviously the amount of barrels we move to the Gulf Coast in the back end of the year, uh, if line three, uh, you know if that proves to be true when it comes on, you should expect to see our barrels uh, ramp back up that we get down that pipeline. Maybe, um, Phil, I could just add uh, two quick reminders. I know people, uh, or I hope people remember that even though we do not move those barrels or cannot move those barrels, that uh, there is no take or pay on those barrels. Those barrels, um, the cost of moving those barrels is not incurred. Those barrels just get moved to the end of our contract. And I guess the other thing I'd just point out that, you know, there has historically been a, uh, a negative price associated with high apportionment levels. Um, that is not the case uh, with the apportionment levels that we're seeing today. In fact, we can show you uh, that in months of, as such as February of this year, when uh, the post-apportionment barrels, i.e. the barrels that uh, had to be turned back from the line, actually sold at a premium, 
to the pre-apportionment barrel. So I guess the long and the short here is that um, although apportionment levels are high, we're not seeing um, what we would have uh, seen previously in terms of um, uh, higher differentials. Sure. I, mean, I guess just to follow up, as you look at, say, 2022, and assuming line three is on relative to your 100,000 barrels a day of, of potential takeaway, I mean, would you do you think that the production environment would be such that you'd be able to fully utilize that in 2022 in a in a full line three case? Yeah, Phil, it's Eric. We, we think that that apportionment level that we talked about for the back end of the year sort of carries through 2022 um, when you factor in what um, what production may come on uh, uh, in 2022. Right. Okay. Okay. Just one other quick one for me. Um, your non-energy OPEX costs, uh, you know, were, were quite solid uh, in the quarter and, and well below the full-year guidance. So maybe you could just share your thinking there on, on uh, how that would progress. Like, is there something specific that would make the non-energy OPEX per barrel be going higher the rest of the year, or is it just uh, some conservatism since it's still early? Thanks. Um our non-energy operating costs tend to uh, typically be, uh, you know, if we look across the uh, year, uh, they tend to be the lowest, um, and then uh, uh, they they grow as we bring in sort of more maintenance-type uh, activities through uh, Q2 and uh, Q3 through the summer months. We try and minimize the amount of work that we do outside in the, in the cold in the winter, and um, as a result, it's... Uh, uh, the operating costs in the first quarter tend to be a little bit lower than in on average. We do not see any reason to change our operating cost guidance um, at this juncture. Great. Thank you. Your next question comes from Greg Party from RBC Capital Markets. Greg, please go ahead. Yeah, thanks. Good morning. Derek, you, you commented on your um, production rates being uh, in great shape here, right, for a couple of quarters, which is which has caused you to change your guidance. But what 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 are the main drivers then of keeping those rates higher than what you might have expected? Um, I'm going to ask Chi Techie, our uh, chief operating officer, to take that question. Yeah, good morning, Greg. Um, what, one of the main things for the first quarter is uh, we have a very high uh, reliability uh, performance at the plant, um, like we typically at about 97% um, type of reliability, but the first quarter is, is about 98, 99%, so that, that really helped. Um, and also, um, as uh, Derek talked about earlier, the turnaround we did last year, the 75-day turnaround, really put the, uh, everything in good shape, so we were able to, uh, to get that type of reliability. And also, um, We've been doing a fair bit of optimization on the existing production as well, and that was translated into a, a better uh, expected performance in, in Q1. Uh, and then we be able to expect that momentum will carry through uh, Q2 and the rest of the year. Okay. Okay, terrific. And it's uh, it just related to everything you said around pricing and diffs and, and production rates. It's kind of a question for Eric, I guess, is um, – Cash obviously sitting at 54 million, but what what's the path of that that you would see through the next three quarters? I mean, we've modeled it, but I'm curious as to what you see coming. Um, I guess the only the, the way to answer that, I guess, is when you look at you know the Derek talked about the the hedging um, 
hedging loss we had in the quarter, that dissipates as we move through the year, as you can see from our table on the hedging barrels we have hedged. So I think when you model WTI and if you keep the diffs, you know, we think we think diffs for the rest of the year are in that sort of eleven to twelve dollar range, WCS diffs. Gulf Coast has obviously been very tight. We don't see that changing for the rest of the year. So um, you know, as the back end of the curve has moved up here, I think you should expect to see um, um, you know, higher cash flow uh, in each quarter as we move through the year at the current strip pricing. Okay. Terrific. Thanks very much. Your next question Thanks, comes Gary. from uh, your next question comes from Neil Mena from Goldman Sachs. Neil, please go ahead. Hi, good morning. This is Carly on for Neil. Thanks for taking the questions today. Um, the first one was just kind of around the balance sheet, which which has been a big focus for you guys. So can you just talk a little bit about how you're thinking about the path of debt reduction and kind of what you view as the optimal leverage level on a sort of normalized basis going forward? Uh, yeah, sure. The first the first part, I guess, uh, every I think as Derek said in the outset of the call, all the free cash flow right now is going to go towards debt repayment. That's basically what we've been doing for the last um, <clears throat> number of quarters or, or number of years. Um, the uh, the second question is, you know, we've talked about sort of a 1.75 to 1.85 U.S. billion dollar U.S. Uh, level of of, uh, of of debt on a sort of first stopping off basis, and that's about a two and a quarter to two and a half times debt to EBITDA multiple. And um, you know, based on the based on the quality of the asset and the sort of low decline rate, we think that's a that's an acceptable first stopping off level. So that's about another 500 million dollars U.S. of debt reduction that we have targeted. Uh, you know, our intention wouldn't be to stop there, but that's our that's our first stopping off point from a leverage reduction perspective. Great, super helpful. Um, and then the follow up is just around hedging. You know, commodity prices have recovered quite nicely here. So can you just talk about how you're thinking about the hedge book? You know, moving into the end of end of the year and into 2022. Um, yeah, the uh, we haven't put on any new uh, WTI hedges since uh, very early in 2021. Um, we haven't uh, we haven't looked to 2022 yet. We obviously need to work through our capital budget. We're you know we're um, uh, we've seen the strip like everyone else has. Um, as of right now, we we haven't um, we haven't uh, put any 2022 hedges on, but we'll consider that as we move through the back end of this year and whether or not we do that uh, from a, a, a sustaining capital uh, preservation perspective. Okay, your next question comes from William Lacey from ATB Capital Markets. William, please go ahead. Derek, you've been pretty acutely focused on the whole issue of carbon and the government of Canada with their announcement in the budget, it was notably vague and obviously it's evolving. Um, just wondering what you would be looking to see from, I guess, both the federal and provincial governments in terms of uh, policies, uh, incentives, in order to encourage investment in CCUS and other sort of related technology. Um, good morning, Will. Thanks for the the question. Uh, you know, we've uh, uh, Meg's been a, a leader in uh, reducing the intensity of carbon uh, on a per barrel basis, um, utilizing our EM Vapex, our EM SAG-P, um, and our you know the the cogen facilities that we put in the field. And I, I think a number of years ago, we realized that there was still some work to do there, um, but that ultimately that uh, carbon capture and storage was going to be the way that we decarbonized our barrels. 
um, you know, we have been looking to both the federal and the provincial government to um, support that uh, idea, not only in terms of uh, coming to the table with um, some level of fiscal support uh, to, to help put in place the, uh, you know, the facilities to, to enable that, but also from a, a regulatory and a pricing perspective. Uh, you know, we can't continue to work in a, or you can't put capital to work on carbon capture and storage until you know that every time the provincial government changes that your carbon regulations are, are, are going to change or that, um, you know, that federal provincial jurisdiction um, is uh, still under sort of uh, question. Uh, you know, that, of course, as you know, has been sorted out by um, the Supreme Court here recently. I think what we were looking for in the budget was a much stronger sign of, of support from the, the federal government. We saw it in two fronts um, in terms of a, um, an incentive that is um, currently going to be worked on, um, income tax incentive uh, that uh, could be transferable, and we think that held some promise that's uh, very similar to uh, what the 45Q program is in the United States, which is up to about $80 US uh, a barrel of carbon now, as well as, um, you know, we'd be looking for um, some sort of certainty, um, obviously, that, um, you know, the carbon regulations aren't, aren't going to change. Um, uh, we haven't seen that. Uh, we saw um, sort of $319 million, I think, of R&D type expenditure. So we'll continue to work with both levels of government. We believe both levels of government are interested in, in trying to find a, a path to get carbon capture and storage uh, going. Um, you know, obviously we're not spending any money on this. We're spending a lot of time um, trying to figure out um, how and what is the, the best way to, to navigate this uh, uh, carbon capture and storage on a go-forward basis. But it is the single biggest lever that we have as an industry to pull to put carbon away, and it's absolutely critical um, to to find a way to make that happen. And it's not something that Meg can do on its own. It's something that our industry, um, the oil sands industry, needs to find a way to collaborate on, and uh, with the assistance of both the provincial and the federal government. Thanks, Eric. I knew you had an opinion on this, so thanks for sharing it. You're welcome. Ladies and gentlemen, as a reminder, should you have a question, please press star, followed by one. Okay, so we've got a question from uh, Menno Halsoff from uh, TD Securities. Please go ahead. Uh, good morning, everyone, and thanks for uh, taking my question. Derek, on the last call, you talked about potentially taking capacity to 100,000 barrels per day at a capital efficiency of I believe it was around 15,000 per daily flowing if you believe that oil prices were supportive. Uh, have your thoughts evolved at all uh, since the, uh, on that front since the last call? Um, I, the, our, yes, our, our thoughts continue to evolve on that. Um, you know, obviously we've seen um, some good strong performance in the, um, you know, in the, in the first quarter. Um, you know, I, I think a large part of whether we would put any capital back to work 
is really predicated on the um, strength and lack of volatility that we would want to see in terms of the WTI oil price and obviously uh, the differential. I, I think we're we're very encouraged uh, by by what we've seen, but uh, obviously we're not ready at this point in time to put uh, additional capital to work. But we're reevaluating that on a quarter by quarter basis. Uh, thanks, Derek. That's uh, that's all I had. Thanks, Menno. Uh, there are no further questions at this time. Please proceed. Well, thank you very much, everyone, for joining our call today. Um, appreciate it. it's going to be a busy day. Um, hope everyone has a good one, and we look forward to updating you on our continued progress um, at our next um, quarterly conference call. Take care. Ladies and gentlemen, this concludes your conference call for today. We thank you for participating and ask that you please disconnect your lines. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.